Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to another episode of The Athletic Soccer Show. My name is Jeff Reuter, and I am joined today by Paul Tenorio for the biggest news of the year. And I'm not even saying that because it's January 4th. This uh, massive news out of U.S. soccer today. Um, so, Paul, thanks for joining me on this feed. And uh, <laughs> how, how are you and what is, what's the big picture? What is the, the headliner of so many different headline points over the last 24, 36 hours? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy start to the new year, a continuation really of the crazy end to 2022 for the U.S. men's national team. And and today, uh, Danielle Reyna and Claudio Reyna both made statements to The Athletic. Um, we had we had been told that the the complaint that you that Greg Berhalter um, addressed yesterday regarding an incident with him and his wife in which during an argument uh, 31 years ago when he was 18 years old, uh, he was just dating his now wife, Rosalind at the University of North Carolina, that there, the, a fight between them got physical and he kicked her in the legs uh, in that fight. He came out and addressed, um, you know, addressed that incident and spoke about it publicly because he said that, um, quote, an individual contacted U.S. soccer during the, the World Cup to say, quote, they had information about me that would take me down in an effort to leverage something very personal from long ago to bring about the end of my relationship with U.S. soccer. Um, so that alone yesterday was just, um, as you can imagine, um, incredible news. Uh, and, and then U.S. soccer putting out a statement saying that they were investigating that incident, but that during the course of that investigation, they had learned that individuals outside of U.S. soccer um, were, uh, I, I don't, I think the word they used was maybe harassing um, members of, of U.S. soccer, different staff, multiple staff members. Um, multiple staff of, members. Oh, sorry, learned about potential yeah. inappropriate behavior towards multiple members of our staff by individuals outside of the organization. So um, that was a lot just in those two um, statements that went out yesterday. And then to, to hear that the Reynas were involved was um, was kind of the next level. And, and Danielle Reyna came out today and acknowledged that um, she was the source of the investigation that she called. Um, as she said in her statement, she called Ernie Stewart on December 11th after news broke about Greg Berhalter's comments regarding Gio Reyna. And, and to be clear, I do want to say that those comments never mentioned Gio Reyna. They were at an event mm -hmm. that was supposed to be off the record. Um, he never mentioned the name of a player. He spelled out the situation. And then, you know, I and other outlets reported that it was Gio. Um, but that after that, those quotes broke. And after I, I'm assuming after my story, um, you know, pointing to Gio uh, came out that she called um, she called Ernie Stewart because Greg had, quote, made negative statements about my son Gio at a leadership conference. She said she she considered Ernie a close friend. Uh, she was outraged that Gio was in a terrible position and that she thought it was unfair that Gio, who had apologized for acting immaturely about his playing time, was still dragged through the mud, quote, when Greg had asked for and received forgiveness for doing something so much worse at the same age. Um, 
you know, she goes on to, I think, double down a little bit in kind of sharing the story of what happened between Greg Berhalter and Rosalind Berhalter, which I think is a whole other issue I want to get into at some point here, um, saying that the the statements from yesterday minimized um, what happened in that incident. Um, but then, you know, that 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 is why she brought it up and that she didn't expect a statement, uh, sorry, an investigation to happen. So right. um, I would also add that in addition to that, Claudio Reyna put out a statement saying he supported Danielle. Uh, that he was also upset. Um, he also appealed to Ernie on December 11th, asking him to, quote, prevent any additional comments, and that during the World Cup, he shared frustrations about Gio's World Cup experience with a number of, quote, close friends, Ernie and Brian McBride among them. Uh, Ernie and Brian McBride, of course, are not just close friends of Claudia Arena. They are also the sporting director and general manager of the U.S. men's national team, respectively. So let's take a deep breath again and consider everything we learned here. And I think there's a few... Look, it's one of the wilder stories I've ever covered. The fact that the parents of a player of the U.S. men's national team were, you know, were able to essentially leverage their close relationship with the sporting director due to the stature of the of the father, Claudio Reyna, um, to complain about things like playing time at a World Cup or a role at a World Cup, and then to go to the next level and to share this information. Um, you know, I, I do want to point also to. Um, a tweet from from our colleague, um, Meg Linehan, and see if I can pull it up here really quickly. She she tweeted, I just truly hope Rosalind Berhalter has a good support network at this time, an absolute betrayal of her privacy and agency. And I think in this whole situation, it's worth noting that among the many people that are not winners in the situation that, you know, Rosalind Berhalter um, probably suffering the most here, yeah. or definitely suffering the most here. And, um, you know, it, I think it's important to to remember that as well. So, just um, yeah, Paul. I think just for crazy for, for listeners here, it is so crazy. But I, I think that that's something that's worth contextualizing here. I, I think mm-hmm. that on Tuesday when it came out, you know, blackmail allegations of blackmail that 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 has right. such a wide net that it can cast theoretically of people who could say that they have something on you and are bringing it to U.S. Soccer to try to take you down. But when it's clear that it is. Um, you know, again, this isn't just the fact that Greg Berhalter and Claudio Reyna both represented the United States men's national team concurrently at the 2002 World Cup, for example. It isn't just that they ended up marrying college roommates as well. But when you consider how close the Berhalters and the Reynas are, how does that change how this news lands today that Danielle Reyna was the one who had contacted Ernie Stewart? Yeah, I mean, there are so many layers to this that that are, you know, I think ultimately sad. Um, this is a, a friendship that goes back. Claudio Reyna and Greg Berhalter were teammates in their youth days. Claudio's father was the coach of their youth team. They played high school soccer together, um, grew up together. Um, as you as you said, Rosalind Berhalter and Danielle Reyna were roommates and teammates at UNC, the powerhouse UNC women's soccer teams uh, from the, those early 90s. Um, Claudio Reyna was the best man at the wedding. Uh, I believe that Danielle Reyna was also in that wedding party. Mm. I don't know um, what the whether it was the same in reverse, but these are families that have been very close for a long time. I remember, um, you know, even when you go back to like the people you spoke to when Greg Berhalter was first first hired. You know, Claudia Reyna was one of the people out there speaking on behalf of Greg Berhalter. So, That's right. um, and I've covered this team for a long time. I, I didn't have any sense of friction between these two families ahead of the World Cup. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I think that the context of how close these families are, the context of 30 years of that relationship, um, you know, the fact that, you know, I think if you go through the, the story of what happened with Gio Reyna, he didn't start against Wales. 
Um, he wasn't trying hard in training in the lead up to the game because he was disappointed that he wasn't starting. He says that he had been told he was going to have a limited role across the whole tournament. Um, you know, I would, I think that that would be surprising for a coach to say in general. So I, you know, if, if that is what happened, um, I think that certainly would be difficult for a teenager to accept, but you know, Gio Reyna was also coming off of a long history of injuries. Um, you know, Tim Weah and Christian Pulisic were the starters at his position. They end up starting that first game against Wales after Reyna doesn't try in training. Tim Weah scores the goal. Christian Pulisic has the assist. Um, and Reyna apologizes to the team after the game and then comes in as a substitute against England. You wouldn't have expected him to start after Weah and Pulisic had the influence they did. Um, he doesn't play against Iran. Um, again, you know, you look at the England game, a very maybe one of the strongest performances by a U.S. team that I've seen in the last decade. Um, and uh, so nothing changes in the attacking side of the starting lineup against Iran. Gio Reyna doesn't come in and play in what becomes a very tense defensive game for the U.S. in the second half. They were surviving against Iran. Uh, Gio Reyna, obviously not a defensive-minded player. I do think there was a window to potentially put him in when Christian Pulisic went down with an injury. Um, but if you're anticipating what it ended up being, which was a defensive battle, um, you know, maybe that fed into it. I don't know. I could see right. being disappointed that you don't come in as a sub in that game against Iran, but you know, it was, it was such a crazy game. And then he came on at halftime against the Netherlands and played 45 minutes, uh, in the knockout game. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a starter, but I think after that Wales game, you could see kind of that. I think it's hard to call that a bad decision when Tim Weah scores the goal against Wales. So, the fact that that's what led to this breakdown, the, that it was playing time at a World Cup, the role of a player at a World Cup, maybe even how that situation was handled, you know, once Gio was not trying at training, kind of Greg's approach to trying to navigate through that with Gio Reyna, that, you know, Gio was was asked to stand up in front of his team and, and things like that, you know, it, it just shows that it was like a, you know, a... Um, a small window of time at a huge on a huge platform, mind you, right? World Cup is is every player dreams to be there. And 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 Gio Reyna at 19 years old, probably so happy to be there. 1920, maybe he turned 20 when we were there. Um, I can imagine the disappointment, but I don't think anyone would have anticipated this coming out of it. I think that I mean, we've spent 10 minutes now discussing this at a macro level. And, and at this point, that's so many names you have to use so many names, frankly, with the same last name, where there's a lot of clarifying and, and it's kind of difficult to tell what this is going to mean for each person involved. I, you know, he wasn't mentioned uh, or he was mentioned, clarified by Danielle and Claudio that he was not involved in, you know, bringing back the the, the incident when the Burhalters were 18 years old at North Carolina, for example. But Paul, in your estimation, how does this impact Giovanni Reyna's career moving forward? Again, young player, talented player, wears the seven shirt for Borussia Dortmund, marquee club. What is what is this going to mean for him in the short term, do you think? I don't think it look, I don't think it helps Gio Reyna's career that this is happening around him, right? Sure. That that this is happening with him or his parents. Like I I don't see how you could ever look at the situation and think it helps Gio Reyna. I'm not sure that it has a major impact on Gio Reyna's role with the U.S. team in 2026. Mm. Um, I I think there are so many things. First of all, we have to see what happens with Gio in his club career. But his potential, his level as a young player is very high. And if he can stay healthy and he continues to play well at Dortmund and, and starts to play more consistently and stay healthy and play, you know, play what we think he's capable of playing, I think he's going to have a role – with the U.S. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but I do think that this is going to likely cause, you know, some 
hopefully I, I would say some level of reflection or change or or something um around this whole situation to calm things down what has clearly mm. become um an inflamed situation and and i think it's worth pointing out like it's not just with greg berhalter right like claudio reina said he was texting ernie stewart and brian mcbride both of whom play a role with this u.s men's national team right. during the tournament about the role of his son in the world cup so i think you know that that that's not helpful for Gio reina either i don't think so does it hurt him yeah i think in, in some ways it does does it i think change his role with the U.S. team, maybe in some ways, I think it probably causes kind of a bigger hill to climb in some ways internally. But I, I think Gio Reyna as a soccer player is is going to be involved with the U.S. program. I think he, if he continues on the trajectory that he's had, I think will will be around. I, I don't. I certainly don't think this is a scenario where like he's banned from the national team or something like that. I just don't see that happening. Sure. And I think it's also worth clarifying that other players for other national teams have dealt with situations where their parents are overly involved in their careers, whether it's in terms of financial negotiations, talking about wanting moves away if they're not getting playing time, whatever, and their club careers and national team careers have mostly been unimpacted as far as I can remember. There isn't really a, a good case study to indicate that this would be like derailing to his international career, certainly. Yeah, I think more important is like that Gio, as he wrote in his Instagram uh, regarding his actions at the World Cup, that he took away from his own actions there. Like you can't help the actions of your parents. And, and and you know, I, I think that to hold what Claudio and Danielle did against Gio wouldn't be fair. Right. Um, the question will be, yeah, like how much did Gio learn from what happened at the World Cup, how he handled it? Um, you know, certainly this is a, a U.S. team that when you talk to them, they talk about how close knit they are as a group, how well they get along. That's a big part of the identity of this team. So navigating that for Gio Reyna is going to be important. But, you know, you're right. I mean, the the actions of parents in the context of the careers of their kids, it, it's, it's I think it's difficult to tie it together too closely. Um, and certainly I think it just provides a, a, a kind of a, a broader context in that in some ways, man, these teams you know, they feel similar to like a U12 youth team. It's it's, it's kind of crazy that we're, we're having discussions about this kind of stuff regarding right. a, a World Cup U.S. men's national team. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And I think it's also worth recalling. It was something that was pretty quickly dismissed uh, between the second and third group stage game when Eric Winaldo went on his radio show on Sirius XM to say that, you know, he was consoling Claudio and whatever. That timeline does check out um, in terms of when he might have been in contact with Ernie and Brian as well. So, um, And look, I promise you, by the way, that Claudio Reyna is not the only parent who's disappointed in his kids playing time no. for a national team at the World Cup. Not just the Absolutely. U.S. national team, but world teams across the World Cup. You know, we wrote a story about the players who didn't play. The Athletic wrote a story about the players who didn't play at World Cups across different teams and how disappointed they were. Um, and, you know, parents get frustrated and they're within every right to text their friends and, and talk about how frustrated they are. I think obviously the context changes a little bit in that it's Claudio Reyna and it changed because those comments became public um, in regards to Eric Ronaldo. And obviously those comments also went to another level in discussing whether Greg Berhalter lied about Giorana's status and right. availability. But I think, you know, it's normal. These people are human beings. Like it's normal to have these frustrations to vent to your friends about it. I, I do think though that it's it's reached a level where we can no longer call it normal. Um, it's a story <laughs> that has had so many different twists and turns. Um, you know, certainly I think, you know, for me, I think it comes down to the crux of like Danielle Reyna saying that at no time was this statement intended. To be, did she not, at no time did she ask for Greg to be fired? She did not make any threats. She doesn't know anything about any blackmail attempts. Um, you know, I think that held in in and how it differs from what Greg Berhalter said, 
which is that somebody was was using this information to quote take me down in an in an effort to leverage that information that is where this story hinges it's like you know how are those comments how were those comments interpreted what was the language of those comments being presented to ernie is it such the way that danielle um transmitted them in her statement today is it more the way greg berhalter discussed it in his statement yesterday um i don't know i mean there is an investigation i'm not sure what will come of that investigation what will be made public what won't um but i think certainly this whole situation kind of in some ways hinges on that but i think in other ways like when you look at the scenario and you have a situation where a parent is talking to the sporting director and brings up an incident from three decades ago because she's frustrated at um comments about her son's role or or about her son's role in general um i think we can acknowledge that that's not a normal situation especially considering just the stature of of the people talking and that and that obviously that it you know that she knew personal information about this family and that it led to an investigation there's just it's just um a completely you know i've been doing this professionally now since 2007 so 15 years um going on 16 this fall like it's just a completely different beast than anything i've covered and um you know again i I think my takeaway is just that it's it's just devolved into like something i don't think anyone would have seen coming i I think that there's there's a lot that we could look at from the statements themselves that um you know you posted in your report today on the athletic um but i I think that one line that did stand out to me was um you know effectively saying along the lines of you know questioning the character of a 18 19 year old soccer player when you've done far worse things is there anything about that you know that to you feels Justified fair, um, fairgrounds, anything the case may be in terms of specifically citing that as an incentive to do this? I think that there's a difference between harboring those feelings and bringing those feelings to a person in position of authority in like the, the question of like, what is the context for you sharing this information? And and I think it goes back to the quote, um, to the tweet that I shared from Meg Linehan and the idea of like, the person who was the victim in this situation was Rosalind Berhalter. And um, it was, you know, I think a lot of people would would believe that 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 she should have some say in how and when her story is told. Um, and that I, I'm guessing 31 years after this incident happened, 25 years of marriage and four kids, you know, probably not the way she envisioned this story being told. Um, and so I try to kind of keep it in context there. Like, do I understand you know, if that Danielle's writing that that was her justification for it and that that was her frustration, maybe. But I think there's a difference between having those feelings and, and kind of, um, you know, potentially voicing those feelings to a person of authority to lead to certain actions. And that's, again, that's the question that this story, I think, hinges on. You know, I was, I'm, you know, I think in what we wrote, we're very careful not to you know, put our opinions out there of what we think happened. I think we have we have in the story that what the way Greg Berhalter framed um, this information being presented to U.S. Soccer, which is that it was presented in a way to take him down. We have um, we have the the Reina statement that shows that it was presented in a way of defending her son with no intention of it being leading to an investigation. Mm. Um, you know, and and I don't know for fact which way it was presented and why and you know and and thus i didn't write it and i'm not going to say it here because i don't know so um i think it's it's worth you know i think everyone will form their own opinion about it but certainly again i just go back to kind of rosalind burhalter and and um where she falls in all of this and and the fact that again you know this was a, a very private moment from 31 years ago 
that, you know, at the time, at, at least according to the Burhalter statement, um, was kind of immediately reported, told to to um, family and friends uh, that he sought counseling on his own, despite the fact that no authorities were contacted, that, you know, they that Rosalind Burhalter chose to, to get back with him seven months later, that they were eventually married and had four kids. I think when you look at it in that context um, and you I think it, it, for me, at least it, it changes the way I look. It impacts the way I look at um, it coming to public light in this way. And um, but, you know, like I said, I think both statements are in the story and, and people can kind of pull from that what they what they want. Yeah. And just in the fairness of Danielle, because I pretty crudely summarized in that question, just the, the statement which was given to the athletic initially, quote, as part of that conversation, I told Ernie Stewart that I thought I, it was especially unfair that Gio, who had apologized for acting immaturely about his playing time, was still being dragged through the mud when Greg had asked for and received forgiveness for doing something so much worse at the same age. And then again later, it took a long time for me to forgive and accept Greg afterward, but I worked hard to give him grace and ultimately made both of them and their kids, that's talking about Rosalind as well, Rosalind Burhalter, a huge part of my family's life. I would have wanted and expected him to give the same grace to Gio. This is why the current situation is so very hurtful and very hard. So there's that. Um, just to, to transition this to the big picture then and to, to kind of look ahead at what's next, because it's almost certain that this is not a resolved story, that this is not going to be the final uh, you know, development that we hear in this story. So Paul, what do you think that we should be looking for um, as, as we continue to track the story in the coming days and weeks? Well, there's a press conference later today, Wednesday, um, with the leadership from U.S. Soccer, Cindy Parlo-Cone, um, Ernie Stewart, uh, and um, J.T. Batson, who's the the new uh, Secretary General and CEO. Um, we'll see what they say there. I'm not anticipating them saying too much, just in part because there is an ongoing investigation. But I, I do think that they will. Um, I do think that they will address the coaching situation a little bit. And I, I think it's worth discussing that. Like, how does this impact yeah. Greg Berhalter and the coaching situation? I'm not sure. I think certainly um, after the the comments came to light regarding Geo, you know, there's a loud faction of U.S. fans that aren't happy with Greg Berhalter, don't like him. Um, right. You know, despite the fact that I do think when you look at the results, um, probably what you would expect or want, um, you know, losing to the Netherlands in the knockout is – certainly not unexpected. And I get that people would want to see a win there, but they've been to the quarterfinals once since 1930. Um, I don't know where he stands now. I think um, certainly they're going to have to have this investigation wrap up. I would assume and hope that um, they would, they would kind of survey the the scene, see what other candidates are out there, what other candidates exist, um, who might fit into the, the, the salary budget that they might have. I don't know. I mean, these are questions that I think will be asked today. Um, but, you know, we know that Greg Berhalter won't be coaching the January camp. Anthony Hudson, an assistant coach, will be doing that. He'll be the interim, um, along with a few members of Berhalter's staff and Mikey Veras, the U20 coach, BJ Callahan and, and Anthony Hudson. So um, we know that much. Um, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what happens. I think it's a very difficult, obviously a very difficult landscape to navigate if you are Greg Berhalter. And, and let's say U.S. soccer does want to bring you back, you know, um, then the question becomes, do you want to come back if you're Greg Berhalter after all of this? So um, just, uh, you know, adding just another level to to the decisions that come now for U.S. soccer. And I think um, certainly it'll, you know, I don't I don't think this is the end of the story. Let's put it that way. I just think this is a story that, you know, there are certain stories that you just see kind of tend to build on each other and build on each other. And, and the story builds on itself. And I mm -hmm. think that's what we've seen here with this one. And I, I just kind of anticipate more to come. 
Yeah. And just it, from your perspective, educated guesses, informed expert opinion, all of that. Um, where does the next step need to come from for this to actually be something progressive and not spiral further into the mud? Um, is that is that something from Claudio's side is beyond the statement which was given today? Is that something on U.S. soccer side, on, on the Burhalter side? I think for me, ultimately, it comes down to what we see from the investigation, what mm. comes out of it, um, what's released, what's what U.S. soccer finds. And then I think we can all kind of pull back because you hope that that investigation, which is being done by a third party, uh, a law firm that was hired by U.S. soccer, um, you hope that that gives you a little bit more of that neutral viewpoint that I was talking about. Of we have these two statements, um, you know, the truth is somewhere in there, right? So um, hopefully, we can get kind of to the bottom of everything that transpired, and then that allows, I think, people to move forward. But you know, until the investigation is wrapped up, I'm not sure that we're going to get to a place where things kind of naturally heal themselves or or move forward. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Um... You know, and, and again, the, the the law firm that was hired is Alston and Bird, which has hired a, a lot of um, these sorts of internal investigations, white color government criminal investigations. This is something that's very much in the wheelhouse of the the law firm which U.S. Soccer has tapped for this investigation. Uh, Paul, before we go, any uh, any other kind of last thoughts on this saga or anything else um, that people should be paying attention to? Do you want to say anything about Anthony Hudson, probably <laughs> no. single window U.S. Men's National Team manager? No, I think um, for me, it's just, yeah, like I said, I, I think this is just a story that's been, um, that just has so many layers to it. I think there's a lot of things that are unfortunate about this story, um, disappointing, and and it's been it's been very um, just interesting to cover in general. So um, yeah, I would just hopefully stay tuned to The Athletic for our coverage around all of this. And um, um, like I said, I think we'll, there will be more to come. We, we know that there's an investigation open. We know that there's a press conference today. I, I just think that we're, we're not done hearing about this story yet. Yeah, I think you're uh, spot on on that front. So thank you, everyone, for listening today. This has been The Athletic Soccer Show uh, with Paul Tenorio. Follow him on Twitter, of course, for all the updates. If you don't follow him, I can't imagine you're listening to this if you don't. My name is Jeff Reuter. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.